Hello, I am Dr. Meadows, and this is Dr. Mead, and we are back with Eminem Podcast, where we talk about different scientific anomalies in the world that scientists don't want you to know about. Yeah, exactly. Um, And this time, we're going to be talking about a true tragedy, um, something called Navis Viva. Um, That's a scientific name, but... Colloquially, um, it, they are known as um, tiny t- titanics or the mothership. Yeah, exactly. Um, these tiny titanics are um, l- almost like living ships. Um, it, they're very, very um, complex, very unknown to the scientific community. Um, and they are causing a lot of issues in a lot of different ecosystems. Um, because they are a new apex predator. Exactly, exactly. And to truly understand how this species works, we need to really understand from the beginning of the life cycle to the end of it. And some of this episode is just going to be um, our speculations and our opinions. So, um, you know, you might, we will of course specify when they are speculations and when they are opinions. But our our knowledge is not all-consuming because we are not, well, we are not all-knowing. Absolutely. Um, to, to greater understand these anomalies, we really need to go back to the Titanic crash. Um, exactly, exactly. And really take a deeper look at what happened. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, um... Truly, what happened to the people on board, we we speculate that they were consumed by these anomalies. Um, and so the Titanics, as they're called often, um, the motherboard lays, um, it feels like a spider bite. And what's it called? Omnivorous? Um, um, yes. And what does that mean? Explain it to me. Um, so um, animals that are ovoviviparous. Um, essentially have their egg sac in um, their body and the babies hatch in the egg sac out of the egg sac into the body and then the mother gives birth to live young Um, and yeah that's what the titanic does absolutely so um so right whenever you board the mothership as they like to call it um you feel a sort of bite um, like similar to a spider bite, and you don't notice it, but the that is the mothership laying eggs beneath your skin, actually, and they will hatch when you don't realize it. Um, most often, when you're in bed or um, on the toilet in the restroom, because that is the Titanic's most easily easy way to get their young from the, your body, where they will take your nutrients, take all the things that they need from underneath your skin, and then, well, once they take all that they can take, they go back to the mother. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people um, have described this as, you know, itching near their bowel, like, while, you know, going yeah. to the restroom. Um, and this is the mother returning the eggs back to the egg sac after, um, gathering nutrients. Um, and then after, you know, the eggs have had time to, um, sort of fertilize and 
um, grow stronger once the, the, the mothership crashes into a iceberg or, you know, some other giant thing, whatever it may be. Usually an iceberg. Um, that is the baby's um, instinctual cue to hatch. Exactly, exactly. And um, I'm glad we have such an expert on this topic here, because I myself wouldn't be able to speak entirely on it. Um, and what happens after they hatch, of course, is the humans who were previously unknowing aboard the mothership, of course, they would panic because their boat has crashed. And that panic would be even more, um, you know, better for the mothership. Because that panic allows her to let her children slowly um, go around these humans and swarm them like piranhas almost. And see these tiny titanics, it's very interesting and we haven't done an exact study on them because their bodies don't decompose right. But um, yeah, they they have tiny windows almost like, uh, yeah, they look like windows but they are actually hundreds of mouths along the tiny titanics, the children of this mothership, and um, that's how they devour their prey, the humans. Absolutely, and and one of the things that is really shocking um, scientists right now and really putting us into a difficult position um, trying to study these um, anomalies is once they have consumed a person, um, one of the these tiny titanics will take the tongue out of the victim um, yeah, and, yeah. and take the tongue for themselves and actually use the tongue to um, better help themselves digest food. Um, it's, it's very odd and it makes it very, very difficult to um, pinpoint one anomaly from the other. Um, because the DNA gets very, very mixed. However, you can sometimes, um, get the DNA specifically for each person. Um, and that's very helpful in giving, um, families, um, of victims some peace. Exactly, yeah. And I know it would be very hard to recover from an attack like this. Um, so I wish all of the families out there that are struggling with this true tragedy some closure and some peace. And we'll try our best to make sure the rest of you are all safe from this awful creature. And I mean, it's not the creature's fault, of course. That's just how nature works. But of course, none of us want to be eaten. So that's the problem. The thing is, um, actually with these tiny creatures, is y once they start to consume you, you don't want to get away. Because they actually carry a certain type of drug in their spit that, in simplified terms, makes you very... How do you say it? High? Yeah, almost um, dazed as if you're on a narcotic. Um, a lot of... We've, we've had a couple people survive attacks from these um, creatures, and they said that it was similar to being on cocaine um, or something similar to that. Yeah, and um, we actually think that people who have done drugs are actually more likely to survive the attacks of these creatures because they have more uh, resistance built up 
to their saliva and um, most likely they also have more resistance to pain. So if you do drugs, of course, we're not saying do drugs, but if you do, then you're probably more likely to survive an attack. Absolutely. Um, and these, these anomalies not only have been an issue to um, people aboard the motherships, but people native to um, colder climates, um, sort of near, you know, Antarctica and areas like that, um, because these, these creatures can fly, um, and these creatures will go and find the nearest human population and try to consume them because humans are, are their, um, primary food source. So we are seeing, um, you know, locals from the, that area, um, sort of fleeing their native land, which is very, very tragic to see, um, sort of leaving, you know, the place of their culture and, you know, their home because of these, um, tiny ships. Yeah, um, and also another theory that is, well, of course, that is tragic and I hate to see it happen, but there is a pressing theory that these tiny ships, these Navis Viva, are actually not the only ones to be living objects. And so, um, a big theory in the scientific world, of course, it is yet to be proven, that's why it's a theory, is that these creatures are actually souls or something of the sort possessing other objects and making them strange and making them anomalies to space-time. Absolutely. Um, we, of course, don't have strict evidence of this, um, but many scientists are theorizing that these anomalies, these, these spirits, um, um, have dated back to long, long before the Titanic a lot. Um, of scientists um, such as Dr. Mead and myself um, theorized that these anomalies have can be dated back to near the beginning of America and have been used um, for different schemes and um, different political wars and real wars and things like that. Um, throughout time to gain power, leverage, money, whatever it may be. Yeah, and it just so happens that the Titanic crashing into the iceberg was just a big, um, a big, uh, what do you call it? Um, like, a way for them to reproduce. So, um, whenever the Titanic crashed into the iceberg, that just let a lot more of them out and let a lot more of them with the um, with the way to survive, whereas, whereas before that, their population had been very small because of the, the overhunting from humans, um, due to fear, and, you know, um, the other things, such as not enough food, keeping their population down. Absolutely, um, and the Titanic crash was a massive issue for the ecosystem around it, um, because once these small babies, um, were fed, they all branched off. And these anomalies, um, we theorize are similar in, um, to mantids in the fact that they, um, hatch by the hundreds, but only a few are, you know, um, meant to survive. The rest are meant to consume each other or not make it or something to that sort. 
Um, however, with the, the Titanic crash, they all had enough food to just sustain themselves um, and enough food around them to sustain themselves. Um, so we saw a huge crash in the natural ecosystem around that area um, because these anomalies will get basically anything they can get their mouths on. Exactly, exactly. And from the beginning, um, these anomalies have been known to be very dangerous to everything around them, every life around them, because as long as you're living, you are pretty much not safe in these creatures. They're mostly carnivores, but in times of um, desperation, they have been known to go for plants. Um, so our advice to you is that if you live near a place that has, um, icebergs or if you live in a very cold place that has, you know, um, large blocks of ice, you should look out for signs of these little creatures coming. And some signs of that are, um, are a large population of fish decline because, you know, they will eat the things around them and... Well, would you like to continue on with this? Absolutely. Um, I feel like a lot of people um, right now at home listening or, you know, wherever people listening may be are wondering, you know, what are other ways to see these anomalies coming um, and to keep themselves safe. Um, and as heartbreaking as it is to share, there aren't a lot of ways outside of, you know, in colder climates, looking out for those those population decreases um, in fish and other things. There aren't a lot of other ways to um, keep yourself safe because these creatures tend to be very patient. They tend to be very um, clever, very intelligent, um, so they can mimic almost any object as far as we know. Um, and wait until, you know, they have an opportunity. Um, but if you keep, you know, your eye out for large swarms of things, if these anomalies are flying in that area, population decreases, um, things like that, people going and, you know, showing up without tongues with pieces, um, out of them missing and glass shards around, you know, that, that area. Um, that could be signs that there are these anomalies around. Exactly, exactly. And if you happen to be caught up in the business of narcotics, they, um, around the areas where the Titanics are very, um, or well, the anomalies are very active, you will notice the prices drop drastically because there's a lot more opportunity to get to the stuff. Even if it's very dangerous, it's a very easy way of creating drugs, and so it's creating a lot of distraught in the community in that way as well. It seems as if the creatures are not only eating us from the physical sense, they also seem to be eating our morals and they seem to be giving us ways to destroy ourselves in the society that we have. Absolutely. Um, and to, to add on to that um, idea of narcotics, um, scientists and, you know, people in the medical field as well have seen a huge um, increase of people coming in for, from um, overdose and narcotic poisoning and things like that. Um, and we suspect that these um, anomalies, these t especially, especially tiny titanics, if people can get their hands on them, they can replenish these um, narcotics very, very quickly. 
Um, and so there is a large possibility that people are trading around these anomalies um, as, as drugs and lowering the prices of um, things like cocaine and heroin. Um, and they're becoming much, much more prominent um, within drug trade. Exactly, yeah. And the problem is, um, the way the way that they are, there isn't a lot of ways to stop these anomalies without completely killing them off. Because their population, as it were, was being very controlled. And if we have a way to cut off its food supply, that would of course be amazing and encouraging hunting. But who would want to hunt something that could kill them in seconds? Absolutely. Um, and we have a lot of theories. We have not been able to get in contact with the SCP Foundation. However, um, there are, it's a very, um, fairly wide accepted fact within the scientific community that the SCP Foundation prior to this was, um, attempting to keep these anomalies under control, um, in, in controlled environments and spaces, um, but since the Titanic outbreak, um, there have just been too many of them to keep up with. Exactly, yeah. And in some strange sort of way, these anomalies are almost like a virus in the way that they spread, and they also seem to infect, quote-unquote, objects like a virus. Um, but of course a virus needs to infect something living, so not only is an anomaly in the way that it lives, it is an anomaly in the way that it spreads, in the way that it acts and evolves. Absolutely. Um, a lot of, a lot of scientists are, are saying, um, that, um, these, these anomalies are almost reproducing asexually, um, while they are not you know, reproducing by themselves, they don't need two of them to reproduce. Um, so say for, with, with the Titanic, for example, um, this Titanic took its, um, these, these eggs, these completely unfertilized eggs, um, and buried it into people to, in order to like fertilize and, um, give nutrients to these eggs and then returned it back into the egg sac. Um, and then from there it was able to, you know, grow and, and, um, give all the nutrients it could possibly need from, um, to, to these eggs, um, all by itself until the babies were ready to hatch. Exactly. And, um, it's kind of scary to know that in a way, these creatures have part of us in them, part of our DNA, because the um, the parts that we've managed to discover, the tongues uh, from these creatures that we've managed to dissect and identify the DNA from, we know that they have DNA from, from generations of humans in them. So we know that they have been feeding on humans and using humans to fertilize them and may even be part human. Now, what part of that isn't terrifying and what part of that tells you well what part of their behavior could be our fault what part of their behavior could have been something that we created as a human species because before the human species came to evolve as it did there wasn't a lot of evidence of these creatures absolutely um 
I think that's somewhat how these these anomalies get um, their intelligence of being able to sit and wait um, and almost strategize um, was from the uh, time um, that they have been consuming humans and over generations have evolved in the idea of gaining more intelligence. Um, and it's very intimidating to know that humans are in fact no longer the apex species in every scenario. Um, these anomalies primarily feed on us, which no longer um, makes us our be apex species. Exactly. And what else is honestly a bit horrifying is that these creatures may have begun to understand human speech. And we have very little evidence of this. No, uh, notice I'm saying that we do not have the exact evidence that we need, but we do know that these creatures may have mercy on you if you give them another thing to eat or prey on. So, in that way, they may become something humans prey to, even. And in some way, these creatures may become gods to us, in that we can sacrifice something to them and they will not hurt us in return. Absolutely. Um, we, we have had instances of mothers offering up children, of siblings offering up their younger siblings, and these anomalies have, a, like, in many, many instances, taken that as a form of sacrifice and um, peace. They do seem to prefer um, younger minds, younger... Um, humans to to um eat and we don't know why that is but um we're not saying sacrifice your children to yeah. these anomalies um please do not do that but um i'm just stating facts here exactly exactly and i get what you're saying dr meadows um and something that i personally have been thinking a lot about in reference to these creatures is that they have a almost social dynamic with their mothership. Um, at least in the beginning, when everything is created, they seem to have an almost shared consciousness. Um, while the mothership is not completely yet dead, I'm not sure if we could call the mothership alive in any way, but not yet able to, you know, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, while the mothership is still alive, they seem to have an almost shared consciousness and that the mothership knows where the people are in it and guides her children to where the prey is. And also, within these hordes of, um, of Titanics, um, I've actually seen that they have a leader and something like wolf packs, but much, much worse. Um, exactly. Um, thank you for bringing that point up, Dr. Mead. Um, a lot of people have been, um, comparing these, um, anomalies similar to bees in this idea of this, um, hive mind and, um, while bees obviously don't know where every single flower is, yeah. um, they, they do have this sort of hierarchy within them. Um, and we're seeing a lot of that behavior within these anomalies. 
Exactly. And another why, reason why they're sometimes compared to bees is because um, within all known <laughs> laws of aviation, they shouldn't be able to fly. And I'm sorry, me, me and Dr. Meadows are laughing a bit at that because it is a movie from the, um, it is a line from the movie Bee Movie, which is kind of funny, but it is true they should not be able to fly. They have nothing that makes them fly, but they do anyway. They are an anomaly in space-time. They are an anomaly in and of themselves. Absolutely. Um, uh, we're, I'm just seeing the time here. Um, we, we should start sort of wrapping up because we don't have a, um, a lot of information to go on at this time. Um, exactly. A lot of this episode was just sort of sharing our ideas, um, our speculations, our, yeah, our speculations, um, and our, um, two cents about the, the situation. Um, we will absolutely make another video when we get more information on yeah. these anomalies and how to stay safe with them, um, and sort of how to go about having them in our ecosystems. Exactly, and I hope in the meantime, you guys keep yourselves safe, keep yourselves um, inside mostly, um, but make sure that your house does not seem different. Look out for shattered windows, look out for um, strange flesh-like masses inside your house. Those are things that can be some signs of your house actually being a, um, a entity. Absolutely, and seeing, you know, things in your house that you don't recognize, things in your house that you, uh, like, two of things that you only had one of before, like, if you had one dresser and there's another odd dresser in your kitchen, you know, yeah. um, these anomalies um, will sometimes, you know, make mistakes in where to place themselves while they're waiting, so, like, you know, if you see a lamp on your kitchen counter that wasn't not there before that could definitely be a red flag yeah and um yeah so that was our podcast i'm so sorry that this episode was so dark but it needed to be said and this situation really needs to be addressed more within the scientific community because i have seen so many lack of articles about it but anyways dr meadows thank you so much for joining me on this issue today absolutely thank you so much dr mead for having me yeah we'll see you guys next time See you guys next time.